0: Welcome to NTD News Today, I'm Kevin Hogan. Let's take a look at our top stories. A new Twitter Files thread takes a deeper dive into how the FBI pushed Twitter executives to greater action. This against so-called propaganda from foreign actors. The CDC allegedly removed data on defensive gun use from its homepage. It says the numbers are not accurate and a judge in California made it easier for residents in the state to object to gun laws. Carrie Lake calls for free and fair elections at America Fest in Phoenix. Meanwhile, her team begins inspecting a small selection of election ballots this week. The CIA director warns about the risks posed by TikTok. This while lawmakers on Capitol Hill take action against the China-owned app. Internal Twitter records show the FBI questioned Twitter on state propaganda. That's what the latest installment of the Twitter files published yesterday evening reveals. And today's Daniel Monahan has the story.
1: The supplemental thread to part six of the Twitter files sheds light on documented exchanges between the FBI and Twitter discussing the topic of foreign state actors on the social media platform. Taibi wrote that FBI agent Elvis Chan contacted Twitter's Yoel Roth in July of 2020. He told Yoel to expect written questions from the Foreign Influence Task Force, which deals with cyber threats. According to Taibi, the FBI sent Twitter a set of follow-up questions after Twitter's June 20th briefing to DHS and the FBI on election security. Twitter testified then that it had not observed much recent activity from official propaganda actors on the platform. Agent Chan wrote that there was a lot of discussion within the U.S. intelligence community to get clarifications from Twitter. Taibbi wrote that the task force demanded to know how Twitter came to its unpopular conclusion on official propaganda actors. Roth then received the questions which Taibi says oddly included a bibliography of public sources including a Wall Street Journal article attesting to the prevalence of foreign threats. Roth complained that he was, quote, "...frankly perplexed by the requests here, which seem more like something we'd get from a congressional committee than the Bureau." Roth added that he was not comfortable with the Bureau and, by extension, the intelligence community demanding written answers. However, Roth later told his colleagues that the questioning was flawed because they had been clear that official state propaganda was definitely a thing at Twitter. Roth suggested they get on the phone with Elvis ASAP and try to straighten this out to clear up any notion that state propaganda is not a thing at Twitter. The FBI commented last week that it regularly engages with private sector entities to provide information on any subversive, undeclared, covert, or criminal activities of foreign malign influence actors. Taibi says that may be true, but they haven't seen that in the documents yet. He says they've mostly seen requests for moderation involving low-follower accounts belonging to ordinary Americans. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
0: Now we get some analysis on the revelations from the so-called Twitter files. The latest tranche of documents provides further evidence of collusion between the federal government via the FBI and big tech to censor Americans. We hear from a former member of the Bureau. Joining us now is Mark Ruskin, a retired FBI special agent with over 20 years of experience working in undercover operations. He's also the author of the book, The Pretender, My Life Undercover for the FBI, and former assistant district attorney in Brooklyn, New York. Great having you back on the show, Mark.
2: Good morning, Kevin. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Twitter records show that the FBI questioned the company on state propaganda. What is your reaction to this to start?
2: Well... The, the government is barred by the First Amendment from interfering with the expression of speech, particularly controversial speech, or that's at least what the intention of the framers was. The government has been, is also barred in, use, to, by, from using agents as intermediaries to accomplish the same goals. So if the government cannot control speech, they certainly cannot have an intermediary in the form of Twitter or Facebook or another social media giant Uh, they certainly can't have them act in their place as their agent and and perform these uh, uh, barred activities.
0: It's interesting how this relates to First Amendment concerns. Now, these revealed files raise concerns about the FBI probing Twitter's views about how state actors use the platform. Who are these state actors and why is this a concern?
2: Well, It's a concern in that it appears that there was an attempt, more than an attempt, in actual uh, proceedings to circumvent the uh, limitations imposed by the First Amendment. So, if speech is is, is controversial or is, is not speech that the government wants to uh, allow to be propagated, then it, 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 it can't borrow it. It certainly can't have someone bar it in its place. So, you have here uh, actors acting on behalf of the state, essentially, it's not unusual for private industry to help the FBI in the execution of investigations, if they're legitimate investigations, which are predicated on probable cause. What's happening here, though, apparently, is it was in the other direction. Rather than asking for information, rather than the FBI asking for information and assistance from the private sector it was the going the other direction it was the it was the government the fbi and uh, the department of homeland security uh, essentially asking these uh, private entities to act on the, uh, their behalf and saying you know providing the names and handles you know user account names of these individuals that they wanted examined and whose speech they wanted essentially to to limit and whose ideas they wanted to uh, Prevent from being disseminated to the general public.
0: And I see that, what you mean, Mark. How these directives and these flow of information was switched in this case. The new Twitter files show that the FBI was flagging accounts for the platform to target. What is the precedent for this kind of coordination between this federal agency and a social media company?
2: Well, the precedent is that there is no precedent. I mean, uh, in, in, in a tyranny, you have uh, you have the government trying to prevent the expression of ideas not in, in a, a democratic republic. So essentially, there is no precedent. What what has happened needs to be really called... First of all, an agency like the FBI needs to... and the Homeland Security, they need to avoid the, even the appearance of impropriety. And here you certainly have more than just the appearance of impropriety. And there's a need, I would suggest, for, uh, uh, for congressional investigations, for an investigation by the Department of Justice Office uh, of the Inspector General. And uh, perhaps this is the kind of situation that calls for the appointment of a special counsel. I mean, there have been a lot of special counsels appointed in the last few years, some arguably not as uh, necessary as others. This cries out for a special counsel. Looks like
0: there's definitely still some more work that needs to be done here. And as you mentioned, it's unprecedented. Mark Ruskin, a retired FBI special agent, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Kevin, for having me. Expectations are building that Elon Musk could step down as CEO of Twitter. In a poll he posted on his own Twitter account and promised to abide by, the majority voted yes to his departure. Musk launched the poll on Sunday. The final tally shows over 42 percent saying no and over 57 percent voting yes for Musk to leave the role. Podcast host Lex Friedman nominated himself as a replacement. Professor of Psychology and public speaker Jordan Peterson threw in his support. Last month, Musk told a Delaware court that he would reduce his time at Twitter and eventually find someone else to take over as its chief. But Musk also recently commented, no one wants the job who can actually keep Twitter alive. There is no successor. On Sunday, Twitter updated its policy to limit accounts from promoting other social media, including content that contains links or usernames for rival platforms like Facebook and Truth Social. But after quick backlash, Musk decided to relax the new rule. Sam Bankman-Fried arrived at a court in the Bahamas today. The founder of the bankrupt crypto exchange FTX is expected to agree to extradition to the United States. Several news organizations, including the New York Times, reported that Bankman-Fried will give up his extradition fight. Federal prosecutors indicted Bankman-Fried on eight criminal charges last week that include wire fraud and conspiracy. He's accused of misusing investors' funds, and if convicted, the 30-year-old could spend the rest of his life behind bars. Two buses carrying illegal immigrants from the southern border arrived in New York City yesterday, and more may be on the way. New York City Mayor Eric Adams warned the city may cut public services to deal with the expected influx of illegal immigration once Title 42 expires. Officials say that in the past several months, the city has received tens of thousands of people who illegally crossed the border following a lengthy court battle. A court ruled last week that Title 42, a COVID-19 rule invoked under the Trump administration in early 2020, could expire on Wednesday unless the U.S. Supreme Court intervenes. Earlier this year, the New York mayor declared a state of emergency after several buses brought illegal immigrants from Texas. At the time, the city had more than 61,000 people, including 20,000 children, in its shelter system. The CDC allegedly removed data on guns from its website after a private meeting with activists. But not all of the agency's staff agree with that decision. Meanwhile, in California, a judge made it easier for people to challenge gun laws. Here's that story.
3: Newly disclosed emails show that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or CDC, removed data on defensive gun use from its website after holding a private meeting with gun control activists. The paragraph originally stated, Estimates of defensive gun use vary depending on the questions asked population studied, time frame, and other factors related to the design of studies. The report, Priorities for Research to Reduce the Threat of Firearm-Related Violence, indicates a range of 60,000 to 2.5 million defensive gun uses each year. The page now says estimates of defensive gun use vary depending on the questions asked, population studied, time frame, and other factors related to study design. Several weeks after the page was published in 2021, an activist said he doesn't agree with the estimated numbers used. Linda Dahlberg with the CDC didn't agree, saying we stand behind our fact sheet, which essentially points out that estimates of defensive gun use vary depending on the data source. Questions asked, population studied, timeframes, and other factors related to the design of studies. Dahlberg listed 13 data sources. Meanwhile, in Rhode Island, a federal judge last week upheld a newly enacted state law banning the possession of large capacity magazines that carry more than 10 rounds of ammunition. The state's Democratic governor signed the high capacity magazine ban into law in June. After that, residents requested a preliminary injunction to block the law, which they argue violates their constitutional rights, including the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms, among other things. However, the judge upheld the ruling. He says allowing the law to be enforced was in the public's interest. And in California, a federal judge said he will block a provision which he says would discourage people from challenging an incoming gun law in court. The provision would require those who fight the state's gun laws to pay the government's legal fees should they lose in court. The judge says the so-called loser pays requirement would produce a chilling effect that would hinder state residents from suing because they would fear having to pay potentially huge legal fees. However, the judge says he'll not prevent the rest of the statute from coming into force, which would prohibit the sale of certain so-called assault weapons and a ban on guns lacking serial numbers.
0: Carrie Lake has vowed to take her election fight all the way to the Supreme Court if necessary. She made an appearance at the Turning Point USA America Fest yesterday in Phoenix, Arizona. Entity's Daniel Monahan has more.
2: They messed with the wrong woman.
1: Lake spoke at length about what she called botched and stolen elections and repeatedly emphasized the importance of what she called free and fair elections.
2: It is the bedrock on which everything that matters to us rests.
1: She used the stage as a call to action as she appealed to the crowd of young conservatives in attendance. The event's website described it as the largest celebration of our constitutional rights and freedoms. Lake discussed hot-button issues like guns, abortions, fentanyl, and the border.
2: We will not have leaders in office that protect our rights unless we have free and fair elections and we stand up at this very moment.
1: Between criticizing what she called the fake media, her opponent, Katie Hobbs, and Maricopa County elections officials like Bill Gates, she promised to remain a thorn in their sides.
2: I think they're all wondering what I'm gonna do. I'll tell you what, I'm not just gonna knock that house of cards over. We're going to burn it to the ground.
1: In related news, Lake got a small win on Friday. A judge overseeing an Arizona electoral lawsuit ruled that she may appoint an inspector to analyze a small selection of Maricopa County ballots cast in the 2022 election. The inspection may begin on December 20th unless Lake's lawsuit is dismissed beforehand. Lake sued Democrat Katie Hobbs, the current Arizona Secretary of State and Governor-elect, and Maricopa County on December 9th. The lawsuit alleges that, quote, hundreds of thousands of illegal ballots infected the election in Maricopa County. Meanwhile, attorneys for Maricopa County, Arizona asked a judge to toss Lake's lawsuit last week. In a motion filed on December 8th, they stated that the lawsuit is based on pure speculation about what might have happened during Election Day. They say the claims in Lake's lawsuit are, quote, insufficient for a court to reduce the vote totals in the official certification and alter the outcome of the election, and that Lake's team has not provided evidence of even a single illegal vote. The trial date is set for December 20th. Daniel Monahan, NTD News.
0: Other speakers at the festival include Tucker Carlson, Laura Ingram, and Candace Owens. NTD has been live-streaming this four-day event. You can find the link on our website, NTD.com. Meanwhile, oral arguments in Carrie Lake's lawsuit will start today. The director of the CIA is warning about the dangers and risks posed by TikTok. He is highlighting the Chinese regime's control over the social media platform. Here are the details.
4: CIA Director William Burns discussed social media platform TikTok in an interview with PBS last Friday. Burns said he agrees with FBI Director Christopher Wray's assessment that TikTok is a threat to national security.
5: I think it's a genuine concern, I think, for the U.S. government um, in the sense that because the parent company of TikTok is a Chinese company, um, the Chinese government um, is able to you know, insist upon extracting the private data of a lot of TikTok users in this country and also to shape the content of what goes on to TikTok as well to suit the interests of the Chinese leadership. I think those are real challenges and, and a source of real concern.
4: Many federal agencies have already banned TikTok from government-owned devices. These agencies include the White House, the Pentagon, the Department of Homeland Security and the State Department.
6: As you know, some American uh, lawmakers want to ban mm. TikTok. Do you think that's a good idea? Well,
5: you know, in my role, see, this is where blessedly is an intelligence in an intelligence role. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not going to offer judgments on those kind of policy or legislative decisions. What I would underscore, though, is that it's genuinely troubling um, to see, you know, what the Chinese government could do to manipulate TikTok.
4: Burns has this recommendation for people using the app.
6: And what would you recommend people tell their children or their uh, young friends about whether to use TikTok? No, I'd be really careful.
4: Last week, the Senate passed a bill to bar all federal employees from using TikTok. And House Speaker Nancy Pelosi also supports the move. A spokesperson for Pelosi said that she supported appending it to a government funding bill. The bill is set to go to the House floor this week. If the House approves the TikTok provision, the Senate would have to add a similar ban to its version of the spending bill. That's before the bill could go on to President Biden for signature.
0: And still to come, a winter storm is set to hit much of the country right before Christmas. Expect snow, rain and strong wind. Find out which day has the worst travel outlook. And the cost of winter heating has risen across the U.S. and there is concern that prices could stay high. More in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. Nearly a dozen people were seriously injured when a flight from Phoenix to Hawaii was rocked by severe turbulence in the air about 30 minutes outside Honolulu. Honolulu Emergency Medical Services says 11 people on the Hawaiian Airlines flight were taken to the emergency room in serious condition and nine others were transported in stable condition. Responders treated 36 people in all. The youngest was 14 months old. The agency said the wounds included a serious head injury, lacerations, bruising, and loss of consciousness. The flight carried nearly 280 passengers and 10 crew members. The Hawaiian Airlines Chief Operating Officer praised the aircraft's crew, including three who were injured. He added that there is a lot of unstable air in the flight path currently. A meteorologist with the National Weather Service in Honolulu confirmed there was a thunderstorm advisory in the flight path of the plane. We may all have to be a little extra careful traveling this week. Be prepared for freezing temperatures and disruptions. A major winter storm is slated to hit much of the U.S. The National Weather Service said on Sunday, quote, a major storm system is forecast to impact much of the nation leading up to Christmas Eve. The federal agency added that the storm will bring widespread gusty winds, areas of heavy rain and heavy snow, as well as bitter cold in its wake. Other forecasters put out similar messages and warnings. Fox Weather said the storm could last into Christmas weekend. According to AccuWeather, the storm will send, quote, wide swath of snow, rain, and fierce winds from the plains to the Atlantic seaboard. The forecaster says that for much of the mid-Atlantic and northeastern states, the travel outlook on Thursday, December 22nd, is poor. The cold weather across the country is also hitting heating bills. Some heating costs have soared again this winter.
7: Households are paying a lot more this year to guard against winter's chill. The U.S. Energy Information Administration projected most households would see a jump in heating costs based on NOAA's forecast of a slightly colder winter.
4: We expect because of a colder winter folks are going to be using more energy To heat their homes.
7: The cost of heating a home with natural gas forecast to rise 28% for the winter October through March. Heating oil up 27% over last winter. Electric heating costs up 10%. Most of the push in oil and natural gas prices here at home, a collision of supply and demand with uncertainty abroad like that from Russia's war in Ukraine.
4: As this war continues and as uh, nations choose to further sanction Russia, you know, that, that would have a large effect on the way commodities are produced, the way commodities move around the global market.
7: And with lingering high inflation pushing up the cost of everything else from groceries to shelter.
5: Even though energy prices have been cyclical in the past, there's a lot of concern this year that these prices will stay high for the foreseeable future.
7: Mark Wolf of the National Energy Assistance Directors Association, which represents state directors of the Federal Low-Income Home Energy Assistance Program, known as LIHEAP, says their recent report found more than 20 20 million American families behind on utility bills.
5: We've never seen prices as high, along with high food prices and high rent prices. So this is a potential crisis coming.
7: Meaning the winter could prompt more tough choices for some households.
0: The big winner of the World Cup, Argentina. It's the nation's third ever win. Onlookers saw an extraordinary final on Sunday as they beat France 4-2 on penalties.
8: There were smiles all around for Argentina soccer fans as they jumped, danced, and shouted outside of the Lusail Stadium in Qatar following Argentina's third World Cup win. For these supporters, it was an extraordinary final, with Argentina beating France 4-2 on penalties after Lionel Messi scored twice in a 3-3 draw. After his record 26th World Cup match, 35-year-old Messi claimed the trophy his nation coveted, elevating him alongside Diego Maradona, Argentina's first football god, who carried them to their last World Cup triumph in 1986. Fireworks burst as Messi lifted the trophy in Sunday's post-match ceremony. In Argentina, fans crowded the streets of Buenos Aires, waving a giant flag along with many smaller ones as they rejoiced in the victory. But it was an entirely different scene in Paris. Many French soccer fans held their head in their hands after Argentina snatched the penalty shootout victory. And others, hoping to celebrate on the Champs-Élysées Avenue, headed home in disappointment. In Qatar, French President Emmanuel Macron told reporters, quote, I would like to tell everyone who is listening to us tonight and who are sad that I share their sadness, but we can be proud of this team.
4: D'être uni et des
8: France's Kylian Mbappé became the second man ever to score a World Cup final hat trick. But it was Messi's name to be chanted outside of the stadium.
3: are Messi with the World Cup?
8: as jubilant supporters relished the World Cup outcome.
0: Biochemistry connects mood and food, which means what you eat changes how you feel. Let's find out more. Here's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body.
6: Depression is a common mental health issue. It can't be cured through diet, but certain foods can help in managing symptoms. Research suggests that what a person eats can affect mental health. A recent study was published in BMC Medicine. It showed that people with depression experienced improved mood when they ate a healthier diet. This healthy diet encouraged eating whole foods. It discouraged refined foods, fried foods, and sweet treats. So what foods can help to relieve symptoms? Let's start with dark leafy greens. Dark leafy greens are nutrient rich inflammation fighters spinach, swiss chard, and kale are examples. Leafy greens contain plenty of vitamins A, C, E, and K, as well as minerals and phytochemicals. Next on the list is avocados. The avocado contains healthy fat in the form of oleic acid. It is considered good for the brain. The average avocado also has four grams of protein. It's also filled with different kinds of vitamin B, vitamin C, and E12. Next on the list is berries. An anti-depression diet includes blueberries, raspberries, blackberries and strawberries because they are full of antioxidants. And finally, mushrooms. Mushrooms oppose insulin, lowering blood sugar levels and evening out mood. They also act like a probiotic to promote a healthy gut. Nerve cells in our gut make most of the serotonin in our body. This is an important neurotransmitter. In other words, a healthy gut equals a healthier brain. If you suffer from depression, you need to keep in mind that treating depression with diet may not be enough. If you think you are depressed, see your healthcare professional as soon as possible.
0: We turn to three stories about animals. First, a big event at the Houston Zoo. Orangutan Rudy Valentino is celebrating his 45th birthday. Keepers say he has outlived all other male orangutans in North American zoos. Rudy has been at the Houston Zoo since 1978. There, another female orangutan has lived much longer at 50 years old. Orangutans are considered a critically endangered species of great apes. In the wild, they are only found on the southeast Asian islands of Borneo and Sumatra. But zookeepers say the species can also become dangerous due to its strength. An adult male orangutan has the power of 8 to 10 men, so they dare not enter the enclosures where the animals live. In Brazil's Rio de Janeiro, Simba the lion is also celebrating a birthday, his 14th. He enjoyed a treat made of meatballs and chicken while visitors sang happy birthday to him. The zoo says the event is part of the local animal welfare program. They hope to create a vibrant lifestyle for the animals and to meet the behavioral needs of each species. The zoo also designed a special enclosure for Simba to recreate his place of origin. That's all for today's program. We're really glad to have you with us. I'm Kevin Hogan, NTD News, New York City.